Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, you know, spoke to the press this year after some of the games that he got to play with. There's just, you know, something you can't teach that. That's just something that you either have or you don't have. And he certainly seems to have a lot of that uh, quiet confidence about him. He does. I... Uh... Trying to figure out what what did, what did we learn that we didn't know beforehand. Um, we obviously learned he's completely down for the video game. Oh yes. So, uh, Except we got to get him in on a little little tournament next year. So South so Carolina's saving potential, up the money for a PS Five. Yeah, South Carolina's <laughs> potential starting quarterback um, will be in the game. It sounds like which they just you know the other day this uh, the Brander Group dropped their lawsuit against EA Sports. So it sounds like everything's on track for the game to. You know, come out midsummer like it used to. Yeah, see what else we learned. We learned to make a Blake can throw a football seventy-five yards. That one caught me off guard. Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, we learned he likes the Jalen Hurts comparison, which that one kind of took me off guard a little bit. I don't think I, I just have Jalen as being much smaller in my head, and uh, like you said, he's a couple inches shorter. Uh, maybe Jalen Hurts is a little bit thicker than I, I give him credit for, but that's uh, that may be a good comp, man. Um, I mean, certainly, if he plays to that potential, yeah. that's a, that's not it's not an insult. <laughs> oh, not at all. I mean, Jalen was an amazing quarterback in college, and I think a lot of people didn't think his game would translate to the NFL. And he's obviously done a really good job, and it's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league right now. So, um, yeah, I think an apt comparison. And obviously, we'll get to see a whole lot more of what Lenoris you know brings to the offense next year as the assumed starting quarterback and um you know as he talked about it's going to be a little bit of a different type of offense because you add that running ability in that you know Spencer Rattler was certainly capable of and and cut and run when he needed to but that wasn't one of his main MOs and a little bit more of Lenore Sellers game is is grounded in those RPO type of things so um, I imagine this came from Charles as well that wrote this up but (laughs) um the the sort of profile here says Sellers' athleticism, rushing ability, and upside as a passer remind us of Jalen Hurts. Sellers may have a stronger arm and is bigger than Hurts at the same stage. Hurts' release looked a tad more refined as a senior in high school. Both were prolific rushers and efficient passers with the upside to continue developing in that area. Sellers also remind us, reminds us a bit of Deshaun Watson and Trey Lance. It's pretty apt. Just throwing, just like, hey, here's a lot of really good quarterbacks that hear about. And and Lenoris told us that he grew up watching Cam Newton and kind of. And so, it, and honestly, coming out of South Florence, you know, you you heard that comparison made, right? I mean, Cam was huge, but Lenoris is a big guy. I mean, we were just sitting in here beside him, look at him out on the field. He's what two thirty five, two forty, six foot three. You know, the, the thing about him is, and and we're we're gonna we're gonna put ourselves in the position where the things that you say almost may get people too excited, and so we have to remember going into twenty twenty four, he'll be a guy that hasn't started a football game at the college level, right? He's a young player, but there's there's just not a box he doesn't check. He checks all the boxes because he's got the size, the arm, the dual threat ability. The quiet confidence, like you said, Wes, 
and the football IQ. I mean, you can tell just sitting here talking to him during the show and during the breaks, he just kind of gets it. And then physically, he has all the attributes you look for. And what excites people a lot is just the raw talent and athleticism, which we got to see on display a couple times this year. We obviously talked to him about the touchdowns that he scored against Furman and Vanderbilt. And, you know, you got to see the best of both where he just uncorks this 50-yard bomb to Tyshawn Russell. And or uh, it was the his long touchdown Tyshawn Russell, the short one to uh, Nick Harbour. And then he had that run of 36 yards for the touchdown against Vanderbilt, where, again, it kind of took us inside of his head there. And, you know, the read that he made and the decision to keep it, even though he was technically – supposed to hand it off there but again you saw a little bit of a mix of both of what he's capable of um you know when when scoring those touchdowns and he was even asked to do a little bit more at the end of the season when you had Juju McDowell go down with the uh the collarbone injury so a lot of faith in what he can do as a runner and um you know excited to see that on more of a full display next year yeah he's got a very high touchdown rate at, at this point um but you know what guys we we're, we're not very good at our jobs because you know what we forgot to ask him about what's that we forgot to ask him about his grandma asking Dow oh, if you, he still uh, sucks. He suck, that's right. Ah, oh, man, we got to get we him back in here mi- for that. Missed opportunity. I, I would imagine we're going to have opportunities to talk to Lenoris uh, quite a bit in, in the future. Gosh, we had so, Spencer uh, on like three times in the past year. So Yeah, we'll, we'll get Lenoris back in. But um, also, we were talking to him off air. He's got some pretty cool merch out there. Um, I guess we can mention them from the guys at Palmetto Autographs. And uh, they they went all in on the old specs here, as so, you should. That's marketing one hundred and one right there. Yeah, go go check that out, man. Really, really, really well done. Very clean, um, very professional looking from our friends at Palmetto Autographs. Well, and that's one of the things about like NIL that's so cool is guys. You know, it's not just about the autographs. It's not just about public appearances. But a guy like that that can capitalize on something is you know. Not, I don't want to say silly, something as simple as just wearing glasses on the field or goggles unique, on the field, yeah. like something unique to him that you know you can capitalize on from a marketing standpoint. Yeah, and it, it helps to have Cam Newton's skill set <laughs> on top of that. Certainly does, and the type of guy he is, right? I mean, you just ask people around the program, and from the time he was recruited until now, and he's he's been a model citizen and, and everything you want. Guys, speaking of NIL, I'm, I'm going to get us off of Lenoris a little bit. But this did just come out, so I'm sure this will be talked about a lot. Uh, there's a, a new proposal by Charlie Baker, the president of the NCAA. And this thing is, like, this just came out in the last 30 minutes to an hour. So we should probably talk about it. It's pretty radical, actually. Um, Baker is proposing a new subdivision of the NCAA that would be comprised, when you look at the criteria, it it would be a haves, not a have-nots. <laughs> <laughs> because there's there's kind of a price that you... There, there, there's a, a price for entry? Pay to, yeah, price, there's pay to play. Is there an HOA this with this? <laughs> oh, I hope not. <laughs> Those things are rough. But, but basically, this would allow for a new subdivision. And when I told Tyler, when I told you about this off the air... To kind of set it up, you're like, yeah, so for the Power Fives. And and that's basically pretty much what it would be. This is your Big Ten, SEC, and, and then your others. We'll, we'll see how the other conferences shake out, right? But to get into this thing, Baker says the minimum investment into a trust fund to be able to directly compensate athletes would be thirty grand per athlete up to half of your school's athletes. So, for example, at South Carolina, or for a minimum of half your athletes at a minimum of 30K, 
At South Carolina, there's 500-something athletes. So South Carolina is in this new subdivision. Again, all in theory, this is a proposal. South Carolina would then have a fund of 30 grand at least, and it would be subject to Title IX. So there would be some equity and a split between male and female athletes and then at least half of your athletes. So that number would come out to $7,500,000 if we're talking about half the athletes at South Carolina in that $30,000 minimum. 30000 a year? That's, or I'll admit or, that I do not or like this is like a lump, fun, a yes. lump sum okay. fund it, 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 it has to be in there. It does say 30000 per year. Per so, year. yes, you're talking roughly close to $8 million per year to be a part of this upper echelon, I guess, of college programs. But here, but here's one of the kickers of this thing, right? So you might say, well, why, why would schools want to do that? Well, that's going to help you in recruiting, right, if, if it goes to a model like that. But also, the schools that are in this subdivision would have, uh, it's fair to say, the most autonomy within the NCAA framework that schools have ever had because they would be free to basically create their own rules around things, and it was specifically mentioned NIL. So, for example, in theory, a school that gets into this new subdivision, those that subdivision could decide, hey, um, pay to play, we're good, it's fine, we can do it. You know, we, we can we can pay out more than is said as, as, as the buy-in. We can, um, you, you know, you can create new sets of recruiting rules. I mean, the, it kind of looks like the sky's the limit. Now, this is just a proposal. It's very, very early, but very, very interesting. Yeah, and I, again, this literally just came out. I haven't had a chance to read through the whole thing. This sounds like to me, and we've talked about this for a while, you know, it seems like the the power fives are more close to breaking off and doing their own thing and maybe moving away from the NCAA at some point than opposed to yeah. you know working a deal out with them. This almost kind of seems like the NCAA trying to meet them halfway, like, hey, instead of leaving and going and doing your own thing, how about you work with us and we try to create what you otherwise would have maybe created on your own under the NCAA banner. Well, and you've already got... So I mentioned we were talking about Power Five. It's kind of Power Four. I mean, you've got Tupac out there on, well, on I the mean, West Coast. That's and when you see the mass exited of players from those schools, it's essentially going to be looked at as Group of Five with those two schools now. Yeah, so you got you got four, you got the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Big Twelve, right? And so th- again, proposals. So when we look at this, go, man, that's pretty radical. We are moving in a more radical direction for college football. What whatever we land. A lot of things happening in NIL right now just by itself are radical. Conference realignment, pretty radical. Like, all these things are different than we're used to. And so we're going to continue moving in that direction. Now, this is kind of a – like the way Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports has a great piece up on this. Go check it out. But he mentioned, like, this is a conversation starter, right? Because um, th- this week a lot of athletic administrators are going to be meeting in Vegas. There's the NCAA convention in January. So these things are going to be discussed, and this this thing could end up getting kind of ripped to shreds, and, you know, schools may have their own type of proposals or different things they want to throw in. But th- this, I think, is a signal that we are moving in a direction where the the power consolidation is getting even more 
like centralized to a small group of schools. We'll uh, we'll dive into this a little bit more and obviously talk about the transfer portal as well as uh, today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on here on the game in the 107.5 The Game app. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you. Before we jump back into this NCAA story, have a family four-pack of tickets to Trans-Siberian Orchestra coming up Friday night at Colonial Life Arena. Caller number four right now, 803-404-6100. Again, 803-404-6100. Win yourself a family four-pack of tickets to Trans-Siberian Orchestra coming up Friday night at Colonial Life Arena. Uh, skimming over this story that uh, Chris brought up just for the break there about the NCAA's new proposal, uh, you know, there's this debate that goes on about we'll just make athletes employees. That way they're able to benefit of the money that comes through the school, the money comes through television, all that kind of stuff. This, on the surface level, sounds like about the closest thing to that. But again, like Chris said, it also sounds like it opens the interpretation to you can kind of create whatever rules you want as a league to basically do whatever you want in terms of the money, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like to me. Here's a question for me because I've seen this put out there. So right now, obviously, um, the majority, not all, but the majority of NIL activities at especially power, current Power 5 schools are driven by collectives. You know, we, we've discussed this before. NIL collectives where donors are pooling together funds and then athletes at, at most places, you're supposed to, and it happens here at South Carolina, the correct way where athletes are doing things like Lenore Sellers coming in on the Garnet Trust Tower, for instance, and doing deliverables in exchange. And the question, I think, one of the questions among many that I have here is how does that affect the current model with collectives or will it, right? So it seems like this is partially an effort by the NCAA to, it's kind of a self-preservation thing. Like you said, Tyler, you know, there's been some thought, will the Power Five just break away from the NCAA? This model, in theory, would save the NCAA, but it would also, you know, add this subdivision that makes things a lot different. And so there are lots of questions in there, but one of them to me is, okay, the NCAA for years wouldn't give an inch when it came to athlete compensation. If you signed an autograph and were paid one cent for it, one copper cent, you could be, you would likely be suspended. You would be suspended for a game. Didn't have to be money. They'd give you a free sandwich for Anything. it. Anything in trouble? Yeah, free firehouse sub. Right. I mean, you're suspended, and which seems ridiculous now, but that's the model that we lived under for so long. And because that's what they did, the floodgates eventually opened. And man, when they did, like they they burst open. Um, and so now my question is, okay, let's say the NCAA does propose a model. Well, look at the parameters there. The schools are required to keep that trust fund for up to half of athletes. And then it's subject to Title IX, of course, because it's an educational institution, rightfully so. But that's only half. So most schools would then feel compelled to do more. So maybe double that tally. Well, then thirty grand is a really nice number. That's a great number for a college athlete for most of them. Sure. But we all know in football, the numbers get a lot higher. Yeah. In basketball and baseball, those numbers get 
a lot higher. So I still feel like it's going to be a yeah, but also this thing, right? So I don't know if I'm ready to say that certain elements that we have, such as NIL collectives, would, would necessarily go away under this model. They may still be important. In fact, some schools, you may see some schools with collectives that they trust. Maybe they're the ones running, you know, NIL programs at those schools. Then you've got what about revenue sharing, right? And I think that's one of the things in the subdivision you would you would also see with them being able to institute some new rules about that. I'm just wondering where all that money you, you have to kind of <laughs> gotta re- come from somewhere. You gotta reallocate. Sure. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, I I've said for years we're head towards um, sponsorships and advertisements on jerseys, like we see in other professional sports. You're gonna have to, um, you know. So it's hey, you're gonna get because can, can you imagine now that there's only so many companies that would even be um, potential sponsors for that because it would cost so it's worth so much that sure. every. Every time you see that jersey, your logo yeah. is on it. And we're seeing that in MLB now. Um, hopefully there's better sponsors than we saw with the MLB umpires with the FTX, which is, um, you know, out out of commission now, I guess you'd say. And so, to, to me, though, you, you got to find different revenue streams that could maybe go into that. And the next sort of step would be, logos for sponsorships on a jersey so hey you're an athlete you're wearing this jersey in front of cameras in front of fans in front of everybody and then that's going to go into this pool towards this seven mil that really is going to end up being more um pool that you have to to pay these players well and and with that we know the loyalty of college sports fans especially down here in the sec is is so much more than you find in other forms of sports. Not to say that NFL fans and MLB fans and, and stuff like that can't be as passionate, but there's a certain loyalty tied to college football in, in particular. So if you are the official, let's say Firehouse Subs, the official sandwich of the you know South Carolina, they have a patch on the jersey. Like the loyalty to that brand would be very significant. Just for, you know, and you'd probably see a really good return on investment. So I could see a lot of companies wanting to jump in on that. And, uh, again, that could be a way of getting several million dollars to be able to jump into something like this for these major schools. Well, I think this would also open the door to something we've seen schools sort of dip their toe into a little bit and, and get creative with, you know, the the kind of combination of Garnet Trust, Gamecock Club, and Gamecocks Plus bundle. But this would potentially, I, I would guess, allow you to sort of start to provide add-ons for – in this case, if you're the Gamecock Club, and mm-hmm. you're going to need to raise more money, well, hey, you can get better tickets for upping your giving, and then um, that's going to allow this fund to grow that will then go directly to players. And I, and I don't know if that looks like, hey, we're, we're just going to grow the greater fund um, it itself, or if it would be more separate, like, hey, tack on, tack on $20 a month to go to the pay your players fund or whatever and uh, and kind of grow it that way. I, I don't know exactly what all that looks like, but, um, you know, eventually the way we're headed is less emphasis on all the bells and whistles of facilities. Um, hopefully the, the amount that coaches are getting paid starts to plateau a little bit. Yep. And that money gradually – you can say, oh, the money's not there. The The money is there. 
it's just be, always been put into different pockets. <laughs> so I, I think you want the the amount that coaches are paid to start to plateau, the amount that you're putting into like just extras for facilities. Go go to an NFL facility. They are incredibly nice, but they also are much more logistically focused on the everything a player needs to succeed, not all the little bells and whistles that go into recruiting. Yeah, they don't have TVs in the lockers and slides in the facility and stuff like Waterfalls. that. Waterfalls. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I think you're you're gonna start that the problem right now is that the collectives are being relied on for pretty much everything. Yep. And so when that happens, there are limitations on hey, where where can my money go and what do I get back for right. this money? So I, I get I get why some fans might say, Hey, I'm I'm not getting a return on this money that I'm providing. And um so I, I think that's that's the next step though, is there there needs to be a little bit more of just a reality check on um if the school's bringing in all this money, it might as well be a mechanism to redirect it towards the players. Yeah, and, and while we're talking about NIL, just an update for those that are curious, Garnet Trust with the uh, million-dollar match uh, currently has raised a little over $250,000. So when you add in the match of up to a million, that puts them at over $500,000 just on this match alone. Um, and obviously still got a couple more weeks to go. So this uh, seems to be progressing pretty nicely. They got to yeah. keep pushing. Yeah, a couple weeks. December 20th is the cutoff, which coincides with the early signing day, of course. So, obviously, with the transfer portal window open now, early signing day coming up, critical time to fundraise, and uh, it seems to be going well so far. Absolutely. Speaking of the transfer portal, we'll jump into the latest with that. Coming up, it's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on the game in the 107.5 The Game app. Turn on Twitter, and it's like, boom, 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 boom. You're seeing this guy's let go, this guy's let go. So, Clemson went, went that route. Um, you know, I, I still think, you know, my opinion is you can expect to see some level of change, you know, within the program as far as that is concerned. And the timetable could depend on, I, I think, several things here. So I, I wouldn't, I'll just say it like this. I wouldn't anticipate that, or I wouldn't read into it that there haven't been changes yet as to mean there won't be mm-hmm. any changes. I, I think it's the most fair way to say it. And, you know, I don't really want to speculate necessarily on on which guys that that might, um, you know, potentially be leaving. But you, you see this happen all types of different ways, and, and sometimes it's, hey, this this coach is leaving for another job, but they they've been encouraged to to look around for another job, and, and so maybe you you give them time to do that. Uh, you know, so I I'm I think you can still anticipate some things happening there. Yeah, we are in, you know, there's a lot going on right now in college football. And one of the things is the coaching carousel is spending. You know, you're seeing um, head coaching changes, and with that becomes assistant coaching changes, and you're seeing guys switch jobs. And that kind of window, so to speak, is definitely still open. It's still going. And and we're going to see that. Heck, we're going to see that in into January, you know. Um, th- there's going to be, I think, a lot more movement on the coaching front. And so you do have to keep that in mind. If you're someone out there that's wondering, hey, I, I haven't seen any changes, that you may draw the conclusion that there will not be any. 
no, th- that w- that window is still very much open. It can it can happen in a lot of different ways, and I'm speaking in generalities here, but you can see a guy like Wes said leave on his own accord. You can see a guy be encouraged to look for another job, and sometimes it takes a little bit, and they find one. You can see straight-up firings like we've seen in college football too. So it can take a lot of different shapes and forms, but just because you haven't seen it yet, don't don't take that to mean everything is totally status quo and will be the same in 2024. We'll continue looking at the transfer portal, some new names that could potentially be joining the Gamecocks roster and other uh, interest that South Carolina has in them. That's coming up. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. You're on the game in the 107.5 The Game app. Marshawn Lloyd so there are a lot of big name running backs in that class but he's had a pretty solid career at Miami has, has had some injuries uh, from my understanding but has had a solid career his father played wide receiver for the Gamecocks in the 90s and then in the NFL now a high school coach uh, down at Balin Jesuit in Miami where Don Chaney Jr. went and so uh, he's a guy that once he went hit the portal that was kind of an obvious name to look to because of the connections because of uh, the familiarity that Cheney had uh, with the South Carolina program, having been there before. So he's one to watch, uh, but there are others. I mean, North Carolina has a couple of really good backs in the portal. Um, you got George Petway, former highly rated guy from Virginia, who's now at North, who's at North Carolina and will transfer out. Elijah Green uh, from North Carolina, who's been a starter for them in the past. Those are a couple guys South Carolina is interested in. Evan Pryor uh, from Ohio State, who's originally from Charlotte, had a knee injury in 2022, but uh, has been back, been healthy. He's just been behind some others at Ohio State. He's looking for a new start. I'm sure I'm leaving out some others, but there are several guys in there that South Carolina is kind of juggling and and looking into, and um, they obviously need, you know, some, some help out of the portal at that position and might be able to get a quality candidate with some of the names that are out there. Yeah, man, I I think that's probably, to me, one of their biggest needs is to get a guy who can be another difference maker at that position. You obviously feel pretty good about, you know, continuing to bring, like, a DJ Braswell along. Um, Looking good, I I think, for Mario Anderson, you know, potentially getting him back. But uh, potentially adding a difference maker to that room, uh, I think you you start to talk about, you know, let's go back to who we talked to an hour ago, Lenora Sellers, and the ability to pair him up and kind of that added running game element with the potential for him to run the football with a dynamic running back and a a guy who could maybe share some time with some of the other guys, I I think is important. And, you know, I I think this to me goes back to something we talked about earlier this week, making your decisions on who, who do you kind of push all your chips into the table, you know, the middle of the table on at that position and can you land them? Uh, So do you, and do you miss on a guy because you shot for the stars on a guy. So I think that's going to be fascinating to see it this weekend already shaping up to be a pretty big weekend as far as official visits go. You got Jerome Simmons coming in from the junior college ranks. You got Elijah Thurman coming in from the high school ranks. You got Jaden McGowan, Gerald Kilgore all locked in from the portal ranks. Uh, as as we said, as of right now, Don Chaney's still coming in. And, and then there's some other guys to keep an eye on that could be in as well. Uh, Tyler Neville, the tight end, um, you know, I, we don't have that completely confirmed on our end, but that's something that we've been tracking for a while. 
as being a potential expected visitor for this weekend. And, um, you know, I, I talked to Cyrus Allen, the Louisiana Tech wide receiver, who uh, I think is like top five in the country in um, average, uh, you know, average per reception as far as, um, you know, being a big play threat down the field. And he has said he's planning to visit South Carolina and could be as early as sometime this week. Obviously, we know when it comes to the transfer portal, this is such a quick process. And there are a lot of guys that have already announced, you know, where they're going to go for their next school. And, and you know, when you have a guy that comes in for an official visit like those guys <clears throat> this weekend, the hope and anticipation is that they quickly turn around and would then announce they're coming to South Carolina. That's obviously um, not the case every single time. But we obviously know the transfer portal is a usually a very quick process. Yeah, and I think you're already seeing some of these guys, uh, you know, set multiple visits. Those are the ones that are going to obviously be a little bit more difficult to land. But then you have guys like uh, McGowan, who, you know, being a state of South Carolina, uh, you know, native. Then you have Gerald Kilgore with the obvious connection there with his brother being here, his brother recruiting him to South Carolina. And, you know, those are guys where because of those connections, because it makes a lot of sense, I I think you can go ahead and be tracking them as potential you know, additions to the class, additions to the roster coming out of this weekend. Um, you know, these other guys, we'll, we'll see. You know, even with Don Chaney, I, I think that's a guy um, where you don't quite go that far yet, but there are some connections there if South Carolina decides to push and that he is – they decide he's the back they want. Um, it does not hurt that he heavily considers South Carolina out of high school. His dad played here, like Chris said. And to me, in the portal, man, you're always looking for connections. Like, who, who's – where's the prior connection here – that's going to get us in the door. And uh, I think with a lot of these guys, you can already see some very obvious connections. It seems like from a volume standpoint, too, you know, some some guys are sending out that they've gotten offers from South Carolina, right? Jaden McGowan was one from Vanderbilt, Will Shepard from Vanderbilt. There's a bunch. But there's also some that we know, like guys that South Carolina is very interested in or would take that maybe they haven't tweeted out their offer, right? But if you kind of look at the volume of it, you can tell the majority of the activity is at the spots where they really need somebody. You know, I mean, running back's been one where they've engaged with a lot of guys. Wide receiver, there's a bunch of known offers out there. There's also some guys that, again, maybe you haven't seen the offer on Twitter, but it's been reported or you know that they would like them. Running back, receiver, a couple big ones. But we have also seen through the first little bit of the transfer portal window here, we've gotten more evidence to what we knew, and that is that South Carolina's looking – at a whole bunch of different spots, right? So we've seen O-line, multiple offers out. We've seen tight end, running back. We've seen receiver. Um, we'll see on quarterback, right? But we've seen D-line. We've seen linebacker. We've seen secondary. Like, we've literally seen offers go out at every spot. Right. And that's kind of what we expected going into this portal window. We'll keep our eye on it. Tomorrow we'll actually be out at Steel Hands Brewing in Casey from 9 until noon doing our show. And, have all the latest updates on whatever's going on in the transfer portal. That-